Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. We're back. Hey, I know it's been a couple of weeks. Yes. I've been alerted to that fact by loyal steamers. Hey, where have you guys been? You know, Ernie. What? One of the highlights of All-Star Weekend was when me and you went to dinner. And you said you were walking on the street. And this lady comes up to you and says, I'm a lol steamer. Yeah. Can we take a picture? I'm a loyal steamer. It was awesome. I said, well, we appreciate you listening to the steam room. So welcome back. We've had a lot of stuff going on all-star related. That's why we haven't been around for a couple of weeks. And now it's the fun start. Yeah. Um, March Madness. Well, well, the stretch drive of the NBA yeah, season. Yeah, I don't care about that. I, my, Another my 20, 25 th- games and then March my, my, Madness and well, then the NBA playoffs. Yeah. yeah. See, my like I got about another week of NBA, then I disappear. You got more than that. No, the, the selection show is in two weeks. No, it's the 13th is selection Sunday, isn't it? That's two weeks. Sunday, Sunday. But we're not quite there yet. Yeah, so I got two weeks. That's what I said. I got two weeks before I disappear. Well, we all do. Uh, who's going to be in our seats while we're gone? Um, I don't know yet. I would imagine it would be Adam Lefko. I would imagine it would be Shaq. Come on. Because you and me and Kenny are doing our thing. Yeah. Um, so have we decided if, if we're going to New York? I don't, I don't know yet. Well, There's a lot of company business that you want to put out there. I don't know. I don't know what the decision process has been yet. Well, in know, years past, we would all go to New York. You but, guys would stay there. I'd do the first weekend. No, but with I'm saying Greg last Gumbel, year we did in the studio back. down here. Yeah, we were here. So, so I didn't mind that. Oh, it was good. Yeah, I didn't Any mind that. Any place that I can be with you and Kenny, that's what Why I'm Why does he have to for. have Kenny in? Because he's part of us. Yeah. He is. Uh, yeah, um, okay. So... Anyway, we're back, everybody, uh, on the steam room. Yes. And we had a great time at All-Star Weekend. I know we're going to talk about that at length with Dominique Wilkins yes. a bit later here in this episode. Shout out to Dan Gilbert and the Cavaliers for putting on a wonderful show. Thank yeah. you, Mr. Gilbert. Got a chance to see him. Thank you. Hey, I want to give a shout out to our hotel, the Kempton, right? Kempton, yes. Yes, the Kempton. Wait, you guys were amazing. Uh, loved it. No, so... Wow. How was your shower? It was perfect. So you had the shower and a tub beside it? No, I didn't have a tub. Oh, you didn't? Just had the shower. So And it had just one pane of glass and then no door. So I know how you hate the dreaded shower-tub combination. Uh, there are things that I would uh, rather have in a hotel room, yes. Like a root canal? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's so funny. Ernie hates the shower-tub combination. So I actually had... A shower and a tub right beside it. And which did you use? I, I haven't taken a bath since I was <laughs> Six. A, te- a teenager. <laughs> but no, it, I, I was laughing because I was wondering if you had that combination. No, I just had the shower and it was great. Okay. It was great. I had a desk. I need a big workspace when I'm when I'm in a when you're working? hotel. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, the room was laid out great. It was perfect. Yeah, the room. People the, were the, really the nice. Kempton, the Kempton Schofield. It yeah. was flat out awesome. Thank everybody who worked there. Especially the bar beats. Bets. 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 <laughs> yeah, bets. Everybody was there, and it was awesome, so yeah. thank you. Yeah. Um, what do you got for first of all after two weeks away? You know, I got a little list here. I oh, got that two. is. That's I, an impressive I list. I want to start off on a serious note. As I told you Sunday night when we were talking about the 75 list, the three biggest people, not Cal Moses, he was in the NBA, but the three guys who helped me the most – with my game, and I studied tape, Clark Kellogg, Adrian Danley, and John Drew. Yes. Those are the three guys. I get a call from somebody about John Drew, and apparently John has stage four cancer. They're putting him in the hospice, and I just want to take the time to acknowledge what he means to me. I remember riding around with him in college. We would work on my game for a couple hours, and he would say, let's take a ride and just talk about life. And one night we're riding, he's got a Mercedes, and I'm 19, 18, 19 years old. He says, Charles, how much you think this car costs? I says, $40,000. He said, nope, 
70000 And this is back in 1982. Yeah. He says, son, I'm going to give you some advice right now. He says, you're going to be a great player in the NBA, I think. But he said, never get involved with drugs. He says, I wanted you to listen to me right now. He says, this car costs $60,000, $70,000. I've snorted 30 of these cars up my nose being stupid doing drugs. And then I was like, wow. And he says, now you listen to me, son. Don't do drugs. And for this guy who was already an all-star, a great player in the NBA, to come to Auburn during the summer to work with me on my game, but also give me life advice. Mm -hmm. John, he knows I love him. I appreciate him being in my life. And uh, I want him to know that I'm appreciative of what he meant to me. How did he develop your game? Well, okay, so the three guys I mentioned all are undersized power forwards. And he always said, he says, you got to be able to dribble the basketball because if you try to post these guys up, they're too big for you. But if you take them five to seven to ten feet away from the basket and make them move, you can get your shot off. You don't need a lot of space to get your shot off, but you need space. When I'm looking at John's highlights and Adrian and Clark, like they're always moving side to side just to get their shot off. So. Man, Drew, I love you. I just want nothing but the best of you. So I, I was sorry to hear that, and I uh, just want you to know that. Second thing, Coach Hurley at UConn. Got tossed the other night. For no reason. Hey, referees, people not there to see you. You gave him a technical. He laughed about it and then started trying to rile up the crowd, and you tossed him. Ref, people ain't there to see you. They there to see the players play and the coach's coach. Don't do that. That was such a, a – Brianna Stewart said it best. That was the weakest ejection in history. That was so soft. That was so soft. Yeah. I can only think that that official had to be thinking, hey, you're rubbing my nose in it now. I mean, you guys, you know, yeah, I gave you a tech, and now you're kind of – I could only assume that's what he was thinking yeah. to do well, that. Whatever he was thinking, yeah, he was but, wrong. Yeah, was I, wrong. I know. It was – yeah, and – Big conference game too, and a uh, big take, conference game. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, and, you're gonna and, you're gonna get tossed for that. Yeah, for getting the fans up. I know. Come on. Okay, Phil Mickelson. This has been interesting. Phil Mickelson is my friend. And mine too. Phil Mickelson was wrong. He apologized. I accept his apology. You can say things that that are wrong. You can make mistakes, but once you apologize, man, people got to accept your apology and. Some of the stuff I've seen written and said about Phil has been excessive. Uh, Like I say, he was wrong. But once you apologize, that's all you can do as a person. And the thing that's interesting about it, all these players played in Saudi Arabia like two weeks ago. You didn't care about their human human rights rights when you were getting paid like two weeks ago. And because the tide turned on Phil, now I've got to trash Phil. And I called Phil, and I said, yo, man, it's not my job to judge you. You're my friend. Are you all right? Clearly, he's not all right. And, but I wanted him to know, I love you. And Amy's awesome. That's even before he apologized. I said, yo, man, just hang in there. And then he released the apology. Like, that's all he can do. Uh, but it is what it is. He was wrong. He apologized. And let's forgive him and move on because – with the exception of Tiger Woods, there's nobody did more for golf in the last 30 years than Phil Mickelson. Nobody. Tiger won, Phil two. So let's forgive the man and keep it moving. Yeah. It's been interesting to watch this whole thing play out. It has. And maybe I got my head in the sand. I didn't realize there was these issues that players had with the PGA Tour. Tour. Well, listen, some of the stuff he said was wrong, but I don't think everything he said was wrong. And I wish the players would say, hey, Phil missed the boat on a few marks, but some of these things are right on point. We need to talk about them. We need to discuss them. Bruce Kepka was actually, I thought he was great. He says, Phil's not 100% wrong. And I appreciate Bruce Kepka saying that. Some of the guys call Phil every name in the book and just not only did they run him over him with a bus, they backed up three or four times. But I really appreciated Bruce Kepka saying, hey, Phil was not 100% wrong on some of the things he said. So just want him to know that, hey, man, it's over with. I accept your apology. And last and definitely not least, I want to give a shout-out to the women's soccer team. 
those ladies been the best in the world for a long time. They were just not getting paid like the men who not any good. Not anymore. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's yeah. I they mean. deserve that money. Listen, the one great thing about America, America's not perfect, but the one thing about America that's always been true: if you're great at your job, you got paid, especially in sports. In the history of sports, whether football, baseball, basketball, soccer, tennis, golf, whatever, if you were great at your sport, you always got paid. I saw that the women got fifty thousand for winning the World Cup, and the men got 400000 for just going. And I'm like, wait, that makes zero sense to me. But now the playing field has been leveled. It, it, and the thing that's crazy about it, Ernie, the women who've been great are all getting ready to retire. I give them kudos for battling, but they got to find a way to make this uh, retroactive. What it sets the stage for, Chuckster, is that years down the road, you will see soccer players who represent the U.S. who will be thanking all those who came before yes. who made this possible, yes. who didn't just sit by and say, no, you pay us whatever you want, you know, yeah. we're fine. You know, they said, no, we need to be paid what you're paid. Especially and, if you agreed at it. Yeah, and now you and now it's happened, yeah. and, and they've done the hard work. Yeah, so shout out to all the women out there on the women's Olympic team. Shout out to all the women who've been battling for equality, especially in soccer, well-deserved and well-earned. That's a good first of all, Chuck. Yeah. You covered a lot of ground right there. Yes. And and when we come back, we'll cover some ground from Cleveland over the weekend. All-Star Weekend, the Diamond Anniversary team honored. It was so special. One of those members, Dominique Wilkins, joins us next on The Steam Room. Back with you on The Steam Room. This is really cool and special. This is... A culmination, not the finish line, but the way it's been all year. This is the year of the dog. Yes, it is. Georgia Bulldogs national champions of college football. Matthew Stafford, Super Bowl champion. Proud Georgia Bulldog. And now, one of the 75, well, 76 greatest players of all time, honored during All-Star Weekend with the Diamond Anniversary team. Proud Bulldog. Dominique Wilkins joins us in the steam room. Hey, Nick, before we get started, Ernie interviewed me and Shaq after the, they announced this, the guys in Cleveland. I didn't think that I was going to be emotional as I was, but being around, just like looking around, did you feel something different too? Man, Charles, man, I said that the next day, I like, it finally hit me that. And, you know, you're talking about the greatest players to ever do it, man. I said, I was like a kid in the country. I was in awe. I'm I'm really blown away this very moment. I'm like, greatness is greatness. It doesn't matter what order. It's no order. It's just greatness is greatness, man. And to be up there with all you guys, man, and see how far we come and what we come from, man, it's amazing. And I did. I got I got emotional, man. I really did. What was the best? Was it was it the ceremony at halftime with all the lights and the music and everything, or was it the the photo op and everybody's kind of milling around back there before the team photo? Which was better? It's hard to say. With both was great, but I, I think having the opportunity to sit in back where they were taking the photos and interact with all the guys and just tell a few personal stories and interact. I mean, that was special, man. That was special. And then we saw Dennis Rodman come in after the picture was over. That was that was really good. <laughs> yeah. That was a surprise. That huh? was a surprise. Yeah. You know, for me, when when we were standing there, because I was right with Neek and Carmelo, and then when they do the centers and the guards, yeah. you're like, wow. Well, look, look at the people we're standing up here with. Man, yeah. It was such an honor and a privilege. And first of all, Dennis – and Michael surprised us because they were not in the picture session. When Dennis came out, I was like, wow, that's awesome he's there. And then when Michael came out, because I had just watched Michael on television at the Daytona 500. Yeah. Because what I could see up the tunnel was Magic Johnson. And I said to myself, that's a great way to finish with Magic Johnson. <laughs> and then when Michael showed up, the crowd went ballistic. I think the players were glad he was there. I was glad he was there. The reason I think everybody should have been there, Ernie, you think about all the stuff that's happened to me and Neek and 
everybody on that stage is because of a stupid basketball. And I'm being serious right now. That little stupid ball took a little kid out of Leeds, Alabama, living in the projects. Mom is a maid. Grandmother worked in the meat factory. Three brothers living and sleeping in bunk beds. And the way my life has turned out 59 years later because of a stupid little ball, I love basketball. That's why I think that those guys should have been there. You know, Chuck, man, they're going to look back on this and say, you know, I missed out on a iconic moment because that was the most exhilarating moment in my life, man. That basketball has given us the ability to do something special in our lives, not just for ourselves, but the people who we love, man, and to experience that. I mean, you, you missed out. I mean, so for not to be there, I don't know, man. You can't get those times back. You know, because I went up to Kareem, Jerry Lucas, Jerry West, Oscar Robinson, because those two guys, they're the foundation of what guys doing today. And you think about it, guys today are making $30, $40 million. I guarantee you, if you add up the salary of Kareem, Oscar, Jerry West, Bill Russell, Jerry Lucas, Bob Pettit, those guys probably didn't make three to $5 million their entire life. And they were much better basketball players than myself and most of these guys today. But if you get a chance to be around those guys, you got to pay homage to them. Because Joe Morgan, one of my really good friends who passed away a couple years ago, and he said, yeah, I called my dad one day and says, I'm going to meet Jackie Robinson today. And he said, what should I tell him? Just tell him thank you. And, and I thought about that every time I see one of those guys. I don't try to get all, don't get overwhelmed in the moment. Just say, hey, thank you. And Joe always said, he says, and Jackie says, it's been my pleasure. But being around those guys, man, it, it, it was, like I say, I have been accused of not being emotional. That's, that's just the way I'm built. But I almost teared up a couple times when they announced certain guys. And to be honest with you, it was great to see some guys. Like Billy Cunningham? Oh, yeah. And, but I see I see Billy. Um, Billy Cunningham has been a great mentor to me. We play golf during the summer in Philly, and – I'm, I'm kicking his butt right now. I got to admit that right now. But Billy's been a great mentor. And Billy says, hey, let's take a picture, me, you, and Doc. And we took a picture together. And I was thinking the first time I met those guys was in 1984, 85. And to be 30-something, almost 40 years later, to be on a list with those guys. You know, Charles, man, you make a great point, man, is that you look at everybody that was on that stage. You look at them totally different after that. You know, you, you have a different level of respect after this past weekend. And I can't tell you, you know, from the time that we was selected till I got home, I was emotional the whole time because I'm still in, like, disbelief that all of us standing together. You know, for me standing there with Bob Pettit and, you were, and we were right there, you know, you can't buy that. It's priceless. You guys both talk about, you know, just because of the stupid basketball and you picked it up and it's taken you places that you never dreamed of. I know you were born in Paris, Neek. Yes. And then in Baltimore and eventually Washington, North Carolina, where you settled. But when's the first time you picked up a ball? Uh, actually, when I was a kid, when we moved from Paris, France, I think I was five at the time, and we moved to Baltimore, Maryland, where I grew up. And growing up in the projects there, it was one sport that everybody loved and played because you didn't have fields and stuff like that. It was basketball. And it was a playground legend when I was 12. And he said to me, he said, I want you to come over to boys club every day and I'm going to teach you how to play basketball. And you're going to owe me. And at 12, I didn't know what that meant. It's the only thing I want from you to give to someone else what I'm about to give to you. And I used to come to boys club every day and shoot basketball with him. And so the, <laughs> the older kids used to make me play basketball for money against older kids. And they used to, we used to play for like 12 bucks a game. And I would win, and they would give me three bucks. I'd say, hey, wait a minute. I'm doing all the work. Why well, I want to get three bucks? <laughs> and they were like, young fella, we'll put up money. You just keep playing. You know, what are you going to do? You keep playing. So that was probably the first time I picked up a basketball when I was probably about 10 or 11. Yeah. When was the first time you dunked? I was 13. 
Wow. I was 13 and I was playing in a summer basketball league called BNBL. And I came down and I went up and I dunked it. And I'm happy, you know, the first time I ever dunked. And as I'm running down the court, the referee is running behind me. He said, where are you going? I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, you got fouled. <laughs> no, so I had to come back and shoot the free throw. <laughs> hey, did you make it? Three point oh, point? Yeah. Okay, good. No okay. question. Okay. Good. Why did you pick Georgia? You want the politically correct answer? You want the real answer? The politically correct answer. Okay, I, mean, I was going to do that anyway. <laughs> but, um, you know, I originally signed a letter of intent with North Carolina State. And, you know, they were comparing me to be the next David Thompson and stuff like that. You know, I was actually ready to go there. But Georgia kind of came out of nowhere. And I remember Dean Smith came to my house before Georgia came. He said, look, I mean, we look really love to have you at um, North Carolina. I mean, you and James Worthy could probably be the starting forward, he said. But you and Al Wood would be split in time. I'm like, huh? What? You can't hold my job. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, I'm, not, I'm not splitting time with him. Then Georgia came to the scene. Once I visited Georgia, man, I just fell in love with it, man. And I went there with five other high school All-Americans like Terry Farrell, Lamar Hurd, and Derek Floyd and all the guys. So we all decided together that we were going to go to a school that wasn't very popular and hadn't been to a NCAA tournament since 1934. So I was hoping I was doing the right thing, you know, but it turned out well. And so that's the biggest reason why I went. I, I didn't want to be compared to anybody. And going to Georgia, who are you going to be compared to? You know, that's a similar situation for me about picking Auburn. So I had three choices, basically. It's going to be Alabama, Auburn, or UAB. So I went to visit UAB, which is actually the closest to my house. Well, let me interrupt something uh -huh. real quick. Three schools in Alabama is where you you're going to choose from them. Yes. But who else had been coming knocking on your door? Nobody. Are you serious? No, nobody was. No, because I, Ernie, I grew from 5'10 to 6'5 in one year. I, okay. And let me tell you something. Going into my senior year, I hadn't got a letter from any major college. Wow. Not okay. one single major college. That's amazing. That's amazing. So so what happened was, I'm because, you know, I'm a 6'4 center, so nobody think I can play major college basketball. So all my offers were from small schools or junior colleges. So we're ranked number one 3A. We played a number one ranked team in the state of Alabama in the class above us, led by Bobby Lee Hurt who was the best big man in the country. And was on his way to Alabama. Was on his way to Alabama. So that's the first time I played against a big guy. And I think I had 31 and 20. So then I started getting letters, but it was still like, you know, Alabama, Auburn, UAB, Sanford, places like that. So I go visit UAB. They make it to the Sweet 16 and got everybody coming back. And I was like, okay, I'm not sure I can play here. Then I go visit Alabama. Alabama actually made it to the Sweet 16, and they had Bobby Lee coming. So then I go visit Auburn, and I'm looking. I said, yeah, okay. I said, Coach, you got a pen on you? He said, oh, you already big time now. You're going to sign autographs. He, I said, nope, I'm going to sign this scholarship right now. <laughs> These some bums you got out here. Y'all, yeah, This is a true story. I told I said, Sonny, y'all have lost – 12 games you in a row. You didn't call him Sonny. You called him Coach. No, he, yo, he, he wants you to call him. He said, call me Sonny. I said, Coach, and I'll still call him Coach. I love Sonny and Jan. Shout out to Jan Smith. I love y'all. <laughs> I said, Coach, I can play here. I said, I'm not sure I can play at UAB or Alabama, but I know I'm betting these dudes you got on the court right here. <laughs> and, and, and I signed my scholarship. And I remember calling my mother and grandmother, and I said, I'm signing with Auburn. They said, Don't you sign anything when you're down there, boy. That's what my grandma said. And I said, Coach, my grandmother won't let me sign it, but you have my word, I'm coming to Auburn. So come up next week, and we did it right in front of my mother and grandmother. Oh, my. But it, it, it's the best decision because Auburn was such a wonderful place to go to school. And Dominique said something interesting. I want to do something that hadn't been done before. Auburn had never made the tournament. It's still, obviously, it's a, a big a football's the most important. Same thing in Georgia. But one of my greatest accomplishments, I feel like, is getting Auburn to the tournament. They had never gotten to the tournament before. And my junior year, we finally made it. I remember my first year, the first time we lost, I was crying. Because, like, I was like four games in high school. And every time we lost, we cried. Because it was traumatic. <laughs> right, you know, right. you play that little powder 
puff schedule to start the season. Right. And then so I like think right around January before the SEC starts, we lost like our first game. And I was boo-hoo. And them, these dudes are looking at me like, yo, man, why are you crying? I'm like, we lost. They're like, dude, we never win here. I said, what? <laughs> this is a true story. The t- true story. The guy says, Charles, we never win here. And I remember the next day getting the guys together. Hey, 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 they're stopping tonight, so today. In my first year, I said, guys, we're going to start winning here. We might not win the national championship, but we're good enough to win. So my first year, we were 500. It was the first time Auburn had been 500, like, forever. The next year, we almost made it to the NIT. We missed the probably guy. We probably won the last two teams. People actually thought we were going to make the NIT. And then my junior year, we made it to, to March Madness. And I tell people, out of all the things on my resume, that's one of the things I'm most proud of. Yeah. Same with you, Nick. Give me your best Georgia story. Man, you know, it, it, it's, it really kind of mirrors what Charles has said. You know, we went, we didn't go to the tournament my first year there, but we went to NITs the next two years, you know. So we went from not making a tournament in 50-some years to making a, a tournament uh, two years in a row. We didn't get to the NCAA, but they end up going to the NCAA after I left. They got to the Final Four. Yeah, This shows you the growth that we had at the University of Georgia. The thing that I remember most at Georgia is playing with Eric Marbury. You know who I'm talking about, Chuck. Sky Dog. Hey, he was the most amazing human being I ever met in my life. Um, so talented. But it seemed like we had to fight with this guy, our own teammate, all the time. Just did, never did the right thing. And so I remember saying, oh, it's time for me to go to pros. I, I, I can't stay here with this guy anymore. He's crazy. But that was the most glaring thing. For everything else that I did at Georgia, man, was great. Because like I said, I came in with five high school All-Americans at one time. So our focus coming in, we're trying to win. You know, we all young and we had a couple of veterans there that kind of took us under their wing. But I think the only thing that stopped us a couple of times was when we had Marbury on that team to be so talented. But, man, he was a problem. You know, I'll tell you this. I've said this publicly, not just now. The two most talented teams I ever played against were five slammer jammer and those Georgia Bulldogs. Neither one of them could shoot. But it's like their play was just throw it up on the backboard and then all hell's going to break loose. <laughs> like, that, it was crazy. Like, you're jumping and people are all over your neck and everything. They're dunking balls back in. And the same thing when we played five slammer jammer, we went down the little Hawfire's Pavilion and they couldn't shoot a lick. It, but their play was, hey, just get it on the glass and y'all go get it. You're right. And Georgia – yeah, Georgia and Houston, man, them boys were rebounding machines. And the point he's making about that Marbury man, he had one of the best bodies you ever going to see on a cottage player. He was so talented. He never put it together. But from a talent standpoint, their team, yeah. I mean, you got to understand something. They got, obviously you had Neek, you had Marbury, and then you had all those other guys. Man, they were physically imposing. Nick, you played 1,130 games, regular season and playoffs combined in the NBA. Is that Game 7, 1988, against the Celtics the most memorable game of your career? Yeah, I think so. It's because of the circumstances. We was in the semifinals, and we had the seventh game. And we really blew an opportunity. The sixth game stands out more for me because we gave that game away at home. Because you lost Uh, at home, yeah. But we lost at home. And we, we, it's funny because we drew up a play, an out-of-bounds play to tie the game. And I remember we, we take it out of bounds, and Doc Rivers taking the ball, and he throws it into Cliff Livingston. And the play was for me to come off the down screen and give it to me and, you know, let me, you know, go one-on-one to try to get us a score, get somebody an open shot. Cliff grabs the ball and goes straight down the lane and throw up a running left-handed hook. Now, if you know anything about Cliff, he can't shoot right-handed. <laughs> you know, he throw up <laughs> – and I tried to get the rebound and tap back. And anyway, we lose the game. Man, I was so mad. I'm like, why did you break the play, bro? But after the game, there was a quote from Larry Bird. He said, Atlanta blew the opportunity. I'm guaranteeing a win in Boston. So I remember coming out of the locker room in Boston. I said, you're going to win this bleep bleep game. If you ain't ready to fight, don't call. I said, whoever guarded me tonight is going to have a long night. Unfortunately, Larry Bird was telling his teammates the same thing down the other end. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I remember. 
at the end of the third quarter, it was me, Larry Bird, and Kevin. And Kevin reaches across my chest and put his finger in Larry Bird's chest and said, don't let this son of a gun score anymore tonight. And I looked at Kevin, and I'm like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> you know, you don't awaken a sleeping giant. Man, I went to the bench at the end of the quarter, and Larry got hot. And I remember Coach said, Nick, go back in. You got to stop him. i like, stop him? Hell. And then I can do to stop him. I said, so anything I can do is try to match him bucket for bucket. And it came down to the very last shot of the game. And the one thing I remember in that game, Larry said at the end of the game, he said, hey, man, we both deserve to win. And he's never talked to me. He said, we both deserve to win this game. But unfortunately, one of us got to go home. Larry had 34. You had 47 on 19 of 23 shooting in that game at Boston Garden. Damn. Nineteen of twenty-three. Damn. Nineteen of twenty-three. One eighteen, one sixteen. Boston over Atlanta. But that that fourth quarter, Bird had twenty in the fourth quarter. It was just, it was just a a showcase of greatness because it was you and it was Larry, and that was it down the stretch, man. You guys were both just going at it. That was that was incredible theater. I, I tell you, Ernie, it was hot and then you could feel the electricity in the building. And the whole time I got Kevin McHale guarding me and I got to chase Bird on the other end. So man, it was it was tough on both ends of the floor because you know I had to to work hard to get past that front line. And on the other end, I'm chasing Larry. Man, you talk that's a tough night. Who's the best player you played with? Uh in Atlanta? Anywhere. In the NBA. In the NBA. Um uh, the best player, I would say, is Dan Roundfield. Dan Roundfield was a man's man. What, what a powerful forward he was. I mean, he was a prototypical power forward. And when I used to see him tape his wrist and his ankle before a game, he was like a gladiator. And they used to call Rounds the hammer. And Rounds, man, was something else. You know, I got Moses, you know, at the end of his career, so I'm not counting. Moses, um, but in his prime, when we were young, it's definitely Dan Roundfield. Rest in peace, Mr. Roundfield. He was the nicest guy. He was the nicest dude away from the court. You know, I I mean, it, it was an honor to know him away from basketball. I mean, he was just flat out amazing. He was amazing. I, I miss Dan every day. We, You know what? When he used to come to the games in Atlanta, I used to be like a little kid in the candy store because I couldn't wait to talk to him. You know, when we both was tired, you know, I just it, it was just a ritual with me. I, I would look around and see if Dan made it there yet. And uh, I still kind of do that from time to time because we had developed such a close friendship. Favorite coach? I would say Mike Fratello. OK. And I didn't realize how much he was of an influence for me until after I retired. So have you thought of, like, I know you technically work for the Hawks. Have you ever wanted to coach or, like, run an NBA team? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, all of us want wanted that opportunity. When I first retired, I was a part of coaching staff when I retired. But it wasn't right time. That wasn't the right time for me. But I always wanted to be in an executive role as well and having some ownership and those sort of things. Chuck, and we all we don't want those types of things, but you know, to be a part of basketball still in the, in the capacity that I'm in, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled. When was the last time somebody called you Jacques? This weekend. <laughs> really? <laughs> this weekend. Yes, this weekend. Because they, they looked at my my bio and they looked at my whole name, what my first name was. They're like, your name is Jacques? I'm like, yeah. Well, how you doing, Jacques? I said, I'm doing very well. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, that, and no one other than one of my best friends in Atlanta. No one ever calls me Jacques. He's the only one. Yeah. So it's been Dominique since when? Since since I was little. You know what? Growing up, they used to call, look at little Jacques. Look, and I hated it, man. <laughs> and so I hated Jacques. But, you know, they started, then I said, call me Dominique. I don't want to be called Jacques. And it kind of stuck. So, you know, over the years, i like, man, I wish I could start with Jacques. I, I, I love that name now. But back when I was a kid, it sounded like a girl's name or something. And, I didn't, and that's what I would tell them, man, I don't like people calling me that. They're just calling me Dominique. And then they said, well, Dominique sounds like a girl name, too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, I just turned 59. And I th- how old are you? 62. You're 62. We're getting to the age now where our friends are dying. Yeah. How are you with getting old? 
You know what, Chuck, man? That's a great question. How I look at it is not to think about it. I'm not saying because, you know, we've had so many of our colleagues who've passed recently. And so it's two things. One, I try to take care of myself the best that I can, make sure I take regular doctor's visits when I need to and when I'm supposed to. And secondly, man, I just, I try not to think about it at all, you know, because when you start thinking about, always oh, think about rocking chairs, you know, sitting on the back porch, doing nothing, all that stuff, man. And you kind of waste yourself away because you're not physically moving anymore. So I keep myself physically moving. I don't know who said it, but somebody did. Don't let the old man in. That's so next time you're thinking about that and I'm getting up there, don't let the old man yeah. in. You just keep on being because yeah. I'm because I'm older than both of you mugs. Yeah. So hey, last thing for me, Nick, slam dunk contest mm-hmm. at All-Star Weekend. <laughs> what dunk contest? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So tell me, tell me what you thought when it was going on and tell me what you think they need to do. First of all, I thought all those guys were trying to do dunks that they couldn't do. And it was too difficult, pinpoint, precise type of dunks, man. And, and the fact that no one made a dunk on their first dunk. No one. And I'm looking at the athleticism. Wasn't much athleticism in the dunk contest. There's a couple of things you got to then. You got to have some star power in the dunk contest. You got to have some real high-flying athletes. And I'll tell you one guy I would love to see in this John Moran. He probably went it hands down. This kid can go. I just think one of the things they have to do with the dunk contest is to only allow one miss. One miss, that's it. Because if you let a guy have four, five, six attempts, it takes away the element of surprise, and then the fans get bored. They got to do away with that. It's killing the dunk contest. I don't know how many ways and I can say it. And it's another thing, too. If you want to really make it interesting, and me and my partner has been talking about this, find the best dunkers around the country, street dunkers. Have three or four, or, or two, I say two or three, be a part of the dunk contest, go along with some of the NBA. Man, you're talking about an electrifying event that would be because you got some of these street dunkers are incredible out here, but you got to find a way to make it more entertaining for people to watch. That was, that was a little rough. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I'll finish up with this. Number one, man, I've been blessed to play against you in college. Blessed to play you, against you in the NBA. You wanted the best to ever do it. It was an honor to share the stage with you Saturday. And, man, and I tell people this about you. The first thing they say, what about Dominic Wilkins? Great guy. Great player, obviously, but just a great dude. So, man, thank you for being on the steam room, brother. Yeah, and I'll say one more thing for you guys, go Chuck. And I said this at the Hall of Fame, man. You're a real representation with a real friend, really is. Because you went to bat for me many times, you know, in the Hall of Fame thing, on that selection. And, you know, and our friendship go back since college and it's always been the same guy, you know, and I really admire that. And I appreciate that about you. Always going to be a special friend in my life. So thank you, man. And even more so now that we was able to stand on that stage together and become a part of greatness. Thank you, my brother. That was a great weekend for sure. Hey, appreciate you taking all the time. You have a great day. Okay, Jacques. Hey, you! <laughs> I appreciate it, Ernie. <laughs> you can call me anything else from now on. All right, I'll make, I'll, JD, JD Wilkins. How about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there you go. There you go. Thanks, Take care, man. my brother. Appreciate right. you. Thanks, guys. That was awesome. What a good dude. In fairness, though, it's the year of the dog. I know. Enjoy it. <laughs> I know Enjoy you it. will. I know you are. I am, yes, sir. <laughs> More steam room right after this. Back on the steam room. You know, can you do me a favor when we invite TK on and not use the word legendary? I'll see if that's possible to do, but it is TK's segment. But I understand that for this edition of the steam room, TK has some walk-up music. Are you serious right now? Yep, I guess so. Okay. I have questions for you. Okay. Wow. Did you watch? Oh, oh by the way, the legendary Tim I did Cotton watch joins it. us. Now. I, I watched some of the Olympics. I will admit that. Forty percent ratings down. Did you watch much, Ernie? No. I know. I, I didn't watch much either. I, I, I think that the time difference is a big deal when that when you have when you broach that situation. It's just just my personal opinion. Yep. And I'm trying to think, who is the most famous 
Winter Olympian in the United States right now. Right now or right. in history? No, right the now. Skier Schifrin? She's great, but she had a tough Olympics. And she Sean was, White she, is she, retiring. She's ha she handled it very well. Yes, she did. So I'm trying to think. That I did watch the women's hockey. Canada beat us 3-2. to two. Yep. Yeah, they were behind 3 nothing. Not, I know. Game. I'm saying they played the But when they were down 3 because they scored like three goals the first period. And I was like, uh-oh, we're going to get beat down. But they battled to the end and got it back to 3-2. to two. There you go. So let me ask you this, Chuck. Your favorite sport, I know, the Winter Olympics is, is you call it sweeping. Do you know who won the curling gold? Canada. Nope. Great no Britain. Norway. Great Britain women. How do you know that? I, I follow curling. <laughs> see, see, that don't even sound legitimate. I didn't even say it with any conviction. <laughs> he did. He did. It was beautiful. I though. heard that. I heard the it The Swedish somewhere. men won. The Swedish men. And the women from Great Britain won. Yeah. The country that won the most medals total. Norway. Very good. Where'd the U.S. finish? Third. Fourth. Uh, they actually finished in, fifth. In to total, in total medals? Total medals. Total medals, five. They, they had... Uh, the U.S. had... Uh, 25 total medals, eight of them were gold. But um, it was Norway, Russia, Germany, Canada, and the USA. But um, I did want to tell you that probably the story of the Olympics, Finland won eight medals. Wow. But the most courageous effort was by a Finnish cross-country skier named Remy Lindholm. Oh, I know. I, I know the story. He finished 28th. Do you know the story, Ernie? I do not. I'm all ears. He finished 28th in a 50-kilometer race despite suffering a frozen penis. You know what's so funny about that? Well, there's nothing funny about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, there is nothing funny about that. You know what's funny about um, that. So I read the story. Nothing. That, and that's the second time it's second happened to him? Second time it's happened to so, him, so To him? To, to him. him. So, so how does <laughs> is he wearing pants during this race? What's the Apparently, deal? Apparently, what the deal is is they wear their skin tight outfit is obviously more than skin tight and way too light for the weather they were skiing in. Wouldn't everybody have it then? I, I don't don't ask me. Maybe this guy goes for uh, you like you commando. Maybe he's special. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. And when I read that story, I says, "Is this a misprint?" They're like, "Nope, not only is it not a misprint, that's the second time it's happened." And so, he, he, well, hold on, <laughs> grab a sock, brother. <laughs> so I'm grab a so sock. you're saying, so you're saying he finished last because of this? Because no, he, he didn't. He finished 28th. People finished behind right, him. Let me tell you something. The dude should get a gold medal. He the, finished 28th with a yes, frozen penis, and immediately. Well, well, then why do you even need to know that? <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's like okay, he had to drop out of the race because he has a <laughs> no. He finished the race. He finished the race, hey, hey, and then it's like, something. and it's the second time he's finished the race with hey, said. Let me tell you something. Chili Willie. Hey, you know what we should do? <laughs> Listen, man. You know what I'm gonna do? Hey, I'm gonna give this dude one of my gold medals there because you, go. if you, you should. If, if you this dude deserve a gold medal. I, if you I finish a race with a, a frozen Johnson, you deserve <laughs> a gold medal. Yes, you do. What's this, Matt, my man's name again? Remy Lindholm from Finland. You'll have to find him along with, with Stav in Australia. He'll be easy to find. Yeah, I can exactly. walk around and say, which one of you guys got a frozen <laughs> penis over here? I mean, that can't... I, like, so, so let me ask you this, though. But <laughs> Given on your scale of pain, where would the sprained ankle theory go with this one? You had to play hoops on it with a frozen penis. I can't believe we're having this conversation here in the steam <laughs> hey, room. Listen, I will tell you this. It'll be really hard on the guy I was guarding in the okay, post. Okay, that could be taken two or three ways. <laughs> no, if I was guarding a guy in the post with a frozen penis, that could be very uncomfortable for him when I try to push him out the lane. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. Like... What do they? What do, what do they call him now? I mean, what do his fellow competitors call him? Or, or when he's in a race with with them, and it's like, oh, there's yeah, FP. Chili Willy, there's I guess. FP. Yeah, exactly. What, though. <laughs> Bet the women like him. Well, boy, <laughs> hey, there. hey, hey, now. hey it really is cold here today, man. I hope you finish this race. Hope you do better than the twenty eighth, like that Olympics. Uh, oh my goodness. Uh, so. Uh, you want to know entirely too much about this yeah, story. Yeah, you're fascinated by yeah. this story. What, first of all, everybody is. Yeah. When you heard it the first time, you should have saw the look on your face. <laughs> well, I was, I was amazed. that. Yeah, so 
So what do you do? I mean, I so, gonna, how do you fix that? TK? You just have to go to a room and wait to it warm no, up. No, no. He said, no, there is a factoid here. He said he immediately applied a heating pack to it and the pain was excruciating. It wasn't already excruciating yeah. when it was frozen? I guess there's no Just, gradual way to do that. I, I would think that would probably be something you'd want to be gentle with. Well, there. see, How you defrost that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I don't if know. You, yeah, like when you cook a steak, you just leave it out for a few hours. You just leave him out for a couple <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you want to get to room temperature, right? Right. Hey. Uh, that would be a tough one. Hey, honey, I need a hand. All right, you know what? <laughs> You know, <laughs> what's wrong? Hey, Audrey, can I have the music again? I better end this segment. Uh, that's hilarious. You know, uh, that was a legendary segment from the legendary <laughs> Tim Kyle. You, know, you know what? How about we try that to work tonight? Try what? <laughs> Freezing something. <laughs> Oscar Meyer, here we come. <laughs> that's it for me, boys. I'll say it is. Joy. <laughs> we'll get him on the get him on the entry machine, Chuck. Oh my goodness! Now we need to get this dude on the show uh, on the steam room. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? After we ask that question, where do you go for the next twenty minutes <laughs> no, of that interview? No, 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 uh, go back to your frozen situation. Um, <laughs> geez, Louise. All right. It would be a short interview. <laughs> All right. See you, boys. Uh, <laughs> see you, TK. Thanks, Audrey. Thanks for Great bringing time. that to the table. Yes. Thank How you. can we thank you enough? <laughs> Chuck and Ernie in the steam room. Come and join us in the steam room. Chuck and Ernie in the steam room. Leave your towel on in the steam room. Chuck and Ernie in the steam room. Chuck and Ernie in the steam room. Leave your towel on in the steam room. That's so catchy. It is. Hey, uh, we should point out, and you may have, as you listen to this, you may have recognized the fact that this is a supremely produced show today. I mean, it's been... Fabulous. Fabulous. And you know why? Uh, we we want to point out Audrey Martin is producing today. Yes. Um, and that's not why. I mean, she, obviously, she's doing a great job. And it, it, But it's even better than when Michael Kaplan is normally here. I agree. I, I think. And, and Cap, uh, who has done so much for the steam room. Well, let's don't get carried away. Has, is taking this week off. And I don't know when he'll be back. But... He and Heather celebrating the birth of Corey, their little girl. Little Charles Corey, what's Cap's last name? Kaplan. Charles Corey Kaplan. It's not Charles. Okay. Stop it, man. You just okay. and 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 as we took a break, you were actually FaceTiming. Yeah, because I want to know why he's not at work today. Because he and Heather are uh, got a, got a newborn. A, get, They've got he, a newborn. Heather doing doing all the work. Cap ain't doing nothing. He could have been here for an hour and a half. He's there. He's there with his wife, with Corey. Doing what? Helping. <laughs> what? Are you going to leave your wife there by herself I, with a newborn baby? I had a game coming up. I had to get to work. <laughs> with a high ankle sprain. <laughs> hey, uh, man, Cap, let me tell you something, man. We're we going to be serious, man. First of all, you're awesome to work with. Mm -hmm. uh, but, man, congratulations. That is the greatest thing ever. And he married to an Auburn girl, which makes it even better. Makes it even better. That means he married up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's why you like write WDE all over the place? Yeah, War Damn, War Damn, Eagle. Damn Eagle. War Damn Eagle. Okay. So, Cap, I wondered what that was. So I thought you Cap, spelled Wade wrong. <laughs> so, Cap, we were making you a card today, and I wrote, Congratulations. I signed it, and I put WDE. And Ernie comes in and says, what does WDE stand for? I'm like, War Damn Eagle, Ernie. Yeah. So, see, Ernie, Ernie thought I misspelled my name. Yeah, I did. I thought, <laughs> hey, you left, you left an A out of there over there, big fella. Um, anyway, uh, Cap, uh, we love you. You do a great job. Uh, you've left the show in tremendous hands in, uh, in Audrey, and, and she's been awesome. And we look forward to having you back. Uh, meantime, we've, we finish out the show the way we always do with uh, Chuck's answering machine. The number is 404 987-0330-404-987-0330. We encourage your uh, your calls, and we got a couple this week. All righty. Spin that first one. You've reached Charles Barkley. Leave a message, America. Hey, Chuck and Ernie. This is Justin from Vancouver, Washington. Uh, I am a loyal steamer. My question is, uh, we just had a wonderful All-Star weekend that got finished here, and I just wanted to get both of your takes 
I was just kind of curious if there were any changes you would make to it. They've been making some changes over the years. I don't like some of them, I'll be honest. I, I want to go back to an east-west format. I would like the dunk contest and three-point contest to have some of the bigger-name players is what gets the hype up from MJ and Dominique to Vince Carter and some of our big-name guys. It's, it's always some guys who you never heard of, and I understand wanting to give some new guys an opportunity, but it also waters it down a little bit. Anyway, thank you for all that you guys do. Love your show. See you later from Vancouver. Thank you much. We appreciate that. Well, first, it's a travesty and a disgrace that we don't have a team in Seattle. Let me just say that right off the bat. Uh, one of the three favorite places, in my opinion, Chicago Stadium, Boston Garden, and Seattle. Those are the three most hostile environments I've ever been in. It was so much Key fun. Key Arena. Key Arena. It was yeah. so much fun to play in Seattle. And it's a travesty and a disgrace that they don't have an NBA team there. For me, number one, I would love to see an NBA game outdoors. That's just me thinking. An all-star game? An all-star game outside. I think it would be great. Secondly, I would like to see the United States against the world. I think that would be fascinating. I think between Canada and the European countries and the islands, I think there's enough great. I mean, think about it. Joel Embiid would be playing for a foreign country. Uh, you know, you got Wiggins. Giannis. You, you got Giannis. You got Ben Simmons. If he made the all-star team again, there's enough great foreign players. I think that would be fascinating. Luca. Luca, yeah. That, to me, would be awesome. That's one thing I would do instead of breaking it up the way they do it. I mean, I, I don't even. I don't mind. I, see, I don't mind the way we do it. I, 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 I don't I, mind I it. Think, I think having captains and choosing sides yeah. has been great. The, you know what yeah. I would do? I would do it on game day. Yeah. I would do it on the floor with all the guys standing around and having, I'm picking you, I'm picking you, I'm picking you, let's go. Yeah, yeah I, I got no problem with that. Because the All-Star thing for me is just a great celebration. Uh, so to me, I never worry about how the game is played. It's just a great celebration of NBA history. Secondly, I don't know how you can make the stars do the slam dunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, because you really can't pay them enough money. First of all, they all they all got egos, and that's that's one thing that bothers me about it. Like, you don't think Michael Jordan, Dominique Wilkins, Dr. J had egos? They've all been in the slam dunk and won and lost and won and lost. But the young kids today, they're worried about I didn't win, which is fine. So it's no it's no big deal at all. So. Uh, I don't know how you can get the big name to do the slam dunk competition, but I will suggest this one thing going forward. We don't know how good the slam dunk is going to be, but we do know how the three-point shooting is going to be. It's always going to be exciting. Yeah. I would make it the last event. Flip them. I'd flip them. I mean, first of all, if you get a great slam dunk, it's a bonus, but you always know. It's going to be great shooting. Uh, and I think, you know, you maybe add a couple more guys because there's plenty of great shooters in the NBA. But you always know it's going to be exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on that, too. It's, it's, it's been my – of all the events on Saturday night, the three-point, yeah. I think, is the most relatable for the, for the average fan, too, because everybody's gone out and shot. Yeah. Not everybody knows what it feels like to be able to – go between the legs and, th- and throw something down. Yeah. And and to Dominique's point he made earlier, he said everybody's trying to do so much. Yeah. And and it's and it has to be perfect. And and maybe you're doing that in a gym when you're working on yeah. here's what I'm going to try, but it's different when you got 20,000 and every eyeball is on you and then you miss one and then oh, I missed it again and then here comes the snowball and then the the fans are getting fidgety and all that. But, I mean, we we kind of go through these things, Chuck. We go through these periods of how are we going to fix the slam dunk? And, boy, this slam – and then all of a sudden you have Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine. Yeah. And you say, hey, hey, the slam dunk is back. And then you have a year like this. And now what are we going to do with the slam dunk? But so, I am disappointed that more of the great players don't do it. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, man, check your ego at the door. Give the fans what they want. They want to see you in a slam dunk contest. And if you lose a, you know, if you lose a slam dunk contest, like, so what? I mean, you, you're one of the best players in the world and you're a great dunker. If somebody beats you. So what? So what? <laughs> yeah, so that's the only change I would make. All right. Let's, uh, let's hear another one. Charles Ennis. 
<laughs> your original loyal steamer, Stab. I hope you're keeping well. There were some great surprises on the last show, like TK's manscaping live read, and the fact that Ernie's a big fan of 40-year-old Virgin kind of got me thinking what other movies Ernie likes that would stupefy the loyal steamers. <laughs> and well done to you, Chuck, for your recent changes in eating habits. Over the pandemic, I managed to lose 17 kilograms. I'm not sure what that is in pounds, but it's a solid amount. I did it by cutting out a bunch of carbs, playing more basketball, and swimming laps at a local pool. I started wondering if the Chuckster ever jumps in the pool to swim laps. If you do, man, you're going to shake even more weight, I promise. And finally, Charles, what would it take for you to give up McDonald's forever? It doesn't have to be a monetary value. What would you wish for? The only price you have to pay is no more Big Macs, baby. Okay, fellas, take good care of yourselves and others. Stab. Thank you, Steph. Man, that was a that was a wide ranging yeah, call it, there he, by you know, Steph. I love hearing from him. Yeah, because he has been there from day one yes, when we start this thing. The, the, you, the most loyal of loyal steamers. I mean, even though we might dive dehydration waiting on his beer. No, that that beer's not coming. That beer's not coming. First of all, I'm never gonna give up McDonald's. That's a given. I'm never gonna give up McDonald's because they got two things I can't do without: uh, fish fillets. And McNuggets. I told you, Ernie. I got I know. We, we, we've covered this territory on you, previous steam rooms. You got to get just enough uh, barbecue sauce to make sure you can dip each McNugget twice. Because you can't eat one McNugget. That just makes you a pig. But you dip, pick it up, chew a little bit, stick it up. Oh, you're good. I mean, so I got it down to an exact science. How about his, uh, his idea of uh, swimming laps? I'm not a pool guy. I don't dislike swimming. I would tell you're, you how stupid. You're stu- not a pool. I know. I'm going to tell you guy. how stupid this is, Ernie. Okay. How many houses have I had? I had a house in Philly. Let's say several. I got a house in Arizona, and I've never been in the pool. Have you had pools at the place? Yes, that's what I'm saying. My house in Philadelphia when I played for the 76ers. Yeah. And my house in Arizona now. Has a pool that you do not get in. I've never been in the pool. Why? I'm just not a pool guy. I'm why, not, did, why have a pool? Because other people use it, Ernie. Stop being selfish. I'm not being selfish. Other people can come over and use the pool. Yeah, but you don't. I, 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 and you I, think that makes perfect sense. Yeah, for people to come over and use the pool. I sit there and I drink while they're in the pool and smoke my stogie. Do you stick your legs in the pool? Uh, no. If, I, that just... You sit on the ledge? You sit on there and dangle your legs in the pool? I have not. I'm just not a pool guy. Do you have a hot tub out there, too? Yeah, and I never used it either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, like, that's just not my thing. Oh, man. But I will tell Stav one thing. Stav. 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 Uh, my cousin, Vinny. Yeah? She's out of my league. Pulp Fiction. I'm trying to think. Oh, uh, How about uh, No Country for Old Men, Stav? You like that movie? Is that what Javier Bardem? Yeah. That's an inter- Call it. Uh, Josh. Call it. Oh, how about the, the great actress? Well, Mar- what do I have to lose? Uh, Everything. The, how about the old lady who's the one, Margot, who's one of the great actresses of all time? He says, where does he live? I'm not at liberty <laughs> to give out that information. Did you not hear me the first time? <laughs> Did you not hear me yeah. the first time? But those three movies that I mentioned, anytime my cousin Vinny is on, Pulp Fiction, uh, what was my third one I mentioned? She's Out of My League. She's Out of My League. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, I so, thought you were a big officer and a gentleman. No, that Kenny's the big officer and a gentleman. Uh, that's on the or list, too. Or you like too. that, you that, like you that like one, that. too. Uh, I'm trying to Ain't think but of- two things from Georgia, Ernie. <laughs> <laughs> and I, boy, I don't see no horns. Uh, Lou Gossett, shout yeah. out. Uh, I'm trying to think. Um, That's always hard. I mean, I, I, you know what's an underrated good film? What's that? In fact, two of them. In Bruges. In Bruges. Check it out. Is it's that rated? Good. Huh? It's not underrated. Is it rated? Colin, Colin Farrell. Unbelievable. He's great in The Gentleman, too. Two hit men. Two hitmen in Bruges. Oh, in Bruges, two hitmen waiting for their ne- a next assignment. That's all I'm going to tell you. Okay. And you know what else is good? What? Match Point. I haven't heard of that. That one. Woody Allen. Woody Allen wasn't in it. Woody Allen, I think, uh, directed directed it? it. Match Point. Mm. Very good. You tell me you don't like some Con Air. Con. Uh, I'm not not a big Con Air guy. Come on, Arnie. Not a big Con Air guy. The first Rush Hour is amazing. Mm-hmm. 
And all this because I just, all I did was make a point about you being manscaped. And, I, and I'm saying, is it like Steve Carell in 40-year-old Virgin? It's not like it's my favorite movie. I just, I remember that scene where he was getting all the... So the wait, he said he lost seven, 17 kilograms? Like 37 pounds. Wow, 17 kilograms. Yeah. Okay, I like that, Stav. All right, Stav. Stav. <laughs> Why do you want to keep calling him Stav all of a sudden? <laughs> He's a long, the longest tenured steamer, yeah. and, and now you're butchering hey, his and name. A, and, and shout out to the lady who came up to you in, in Cleveland. Yeah, and that said was very she's nice. A law, that was very nice. Hey, we, we appreciate everybody who's a law steamer. Uh, we have so much fun, and so thank you for the support. Yep, and that's it for uh, for this edition of the Steam Room for uh, for Charles Barkley, uh, for Cap, Cap, who, uh, congratulations with little Corey, and Heather and Corey, and for uh, Audrey, I call her Junior because she used to be a junior. How close publicist. do you think they came to Charles before uh, they came up with Corey? Uh, nowhere near, nowhere in the neighborhood. Charles and Corey, they're, not, they're close together. Ooh, they both start with a C. Exactly Imagine right. that. <laughs> See y'all next week here in the Steam Room. Bye. <laughs>